0: everyone will be sharing from the DT in Ephesians chapter 4, our reading first from 11 and 12, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. As I thought about this picture here, we find that God places leaders and mature people into our lives so that we could be equipped for the work of ministry and building up the body of Christ. I think one thing we can take from this is that God takes for granted that we cannot do this on our own. We need people in our lives to play this role for us. And it speaks against the Lone Ranger, individualistic culture of our day. People talk about having their own spirituality, being able to grow on their own apart from the body of Christ. But the Bible doesn't support that. It says here clearly, God's gift to us is to equip us through other people. And I'm thankful that we have this in our church, but sometimes we can also see these people, God has placed as supervisors, those who got to act well before, to be obedient and to kind of play to their favor. No, God says, these are people I have placed there for your good to equip you in these ways. And then to equip us for what? Two things, the work of ministry, and building up the body of Christ. Now, sometimes we have this sense that the work of ministry, building up the body, that's just for the leaders, the mature ones, those that are out there, full-time ministers. But it says clearly here, we are saints and we are all to be equipped for the work of ministry. What's the work of ministry? It's the work of sharing the gospel, discipleship. People don't just respond, it takes work. Things like apologetics, Bible knowledge, how to carry a conversation, hard work to put on different events, building skills and know-how so that we can reach our campus, expressing love, care, and concern, that's the work of ministry that we need to grow in. And then building up the body, what does that take? Well, yesterday we looked at the picture of the Acts 2 church. What does it take to build up something like that? It takes a lot of love, fellowship, good food, generosity, getting into one another's lives, praying for one another, a dailyness. Lives live together. And honestly, none of these things are natural. We need to be taught and equipped. And that's why God places leaders into our life. And so for us, do we see that these things are important? That this is our role in God's vision for us? That these are the things that it looks like to be a mature Christian who's attaining to the stature of Christ. And so why do we need all these things? Why do we need to mature? It's so that in verse 14, we may no longer be immature or children tossed to and fro by the waves. We face winds of doctrine and craftiness; we can get blown and tossed, but when we become equipped in these ways, we become anchored, taking on God's values and burdens. But I was also struck by this phrase, so that we may no longer be children. I think what other thing prevents us from being blown and tossed, not only the word of God, serving God, the values of God, but it's being together, the we, when we all attain to the unity of faith, when we're all built up into his body, that becomes a thing that helps us to stand. All of us, we have good times and bad aspects of strength, but also of weakness. And there are times when we will feel blown and for standing by ourselves, we will get blown away. But if we have people that we are stuck to, like the parts of the body, they can pull us back, speaking truth into our lives out of love, encouraging us to hold on, praying for us, being with us during the difficulties to remind us of God. And the strength of those bonds are what will protect us. I know I've experienced this in my own life times of difficulty I faced in medical school and residency. On my own, it was hard to stand against the winds of anxiety, fatigue, desire for comfort. But because of people in my life, I was able to keep standing and persevering.
1: I thought about the question, um, God calls Christians to grow mature. How does the church help me to do that? What part of that process described in this passage is hard for me to accept. And from verse 15, it says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way, into him who is Head, into Christ. And I thought the church helps me to grow and mature through leaders, equipping me for ministry, for the work of ministry, like Angel described. This looks like doing ministry that you may not be good at, getting feedback and correction, and giving feedback and correction for others. And in verse 15, speaking the truth in love, it's something leaders are called to do, and it's something that we're supposed to do for one another. And we have to be able to first receive the truth well, so that we can do this for others also. One thing that makes it hard for me personally is to accept feedback that really bruises my ego. I want to hold on to a good self-image, but when I fail, uh, when I fail to love, when I fail to do something well, I take that personally, take it really hard, and I'm tempted to think maybe I'm not cut out for this, but that would be to miss the point of such feedback and correction. I need to have instead this growth mindset I think that's the key phrase from Ephesians 4, to 16. We're called to grow. That means we cannot stay the same. That means when we receive feedback, we have to accept it as what it is, advice on how to grow. It may also require that I repent of my immature ways of doing things, my immature desires and feelings. It may require that I view myself differently, not just as someone who benefits from the church, but as one who's supposed to benefit others with my love, acts of service, even sacrifice. It's the transition from being a child to to an adult in any family. We expect our children to grow, to grow up and become contributing members of the family. First by learning to get up, make their bed, brush their teeth, then they learn to set the table, clean up after themselves, clean their room. Then they learn to share their toys, be helpful to the younger ones in the family. They learn to be older brothers and sisters to other kids. It all happens as they grow, receive feedback, discipline from parents, aunties, uncles, older brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I thought about what is it that I need to grow up in? Well, how do I receive the truth spoken to me? Do I view it as a form of love, a way to help me grow? Or do I view it as an attack against my ideal self, a bruise to my ego, something to put me down, that it deflates me for a day or ruins my week? I need to get good at receiving truth, see it as love, and become someone who can also do this for others also, to speak the truth and love to others, And it starts with learning how to love others, bear with them, love them, serve them. And then you can speak some truth and love to them and help the other grow up. I like the Tim Keller commentary from the DT book today on Am I Speaking the Truth in Love? He said, love without truth is sentimentality. It supports and affirms us, but keeps us in denial about our flaws. Truth without love is harshness. It gives us information, but in such a way that we cannot really hear it. So yeah, again, I ask myself when I speak the truth in love, is it out of love or is it really out of my annoyance? I would be spoiling or indulgent somebody if I just love them and never speak any negative truths about them because that would be impossible. We're all sinners and we have negative realities that we need to deal with in our relationships. And I don't want to be that person turning a blind eye to people's problems either. You know, when I see someone looking down, they're burdened. I should be able to love them and speak the truth in them. Hey, you look down. Do you want to talk about anything? Be that kind of loving presence as well.
0: And what does love do? It allows us to then, in verse 16, become a whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Um, Being a medical doctor, I'm going to learn out a little bit here. But this imagery is really fascinating. The body is made up of different bones, all different shapes and sizes. But what is it that bonds bones together? It's the ligaments and the joints, and the tendons at the joint. These are the glue that holds the arm bone to the hand, the leg bone to the foot. And I remember a time when I realized this in a profound way in medical school, when I had an opportunity to amputate someone's foot. I know, it's disgusting. But what I had to do, I just cut away a few ligaments and off the foot came. It's not bonded like cement yet it's so integrated, and it's because of the strength of those ligaments. And then once bonded, each part affects the other, and that's both good and bad. The good aspect is now it can do much more than its original function. A foot by itself can't do anything, but when attached to the leg bone, now it can cause propulsion to run, walk, jump, etc. with so much potential for more. But at the same time you become vulnerable, the leg bone gets affected, the foot does too, and vice versa. Each part has to be working properly. And how does all this happen? How does a bond of closeness to link people, we're so different, how does that form? To make sure each part works properly, it's love. Love for others as displayed through sacrifice, time, money, etc. Going through thick and thin, saying that you mean more to me than my own agenda, and speaking truth to each other, right? Saying that we're going to be bonded together, you affect me, I can't just amputate myself because I won't do that, I'm committed to you. It's like the 2014 bros sharing that we heard this past Sunday. One guy's saying, why do you keep bringing this up? Why are you so petty? The other one's saying, because I'm committed to you. And That's the picture here. Because we're committed, we speak truth in love and we want to grow in that. So how are relationships? Are we this close? It takes a lot of courage, commitment to speak truth and love, and we need to get there. But first, let's even start with love. Love, when was the last time you sacrificed your time for the sake of your friend, generous to someone else in need? That's the hard question of what's going on, being there to listen. This picture here, it's an amazing picture of the body of Christ, but it takes work. It takes leaders, it takes speaking truth and love, and it takes love bonding with one another. And I pray that that's what our church can really be characterized by. That's it for today. We'll see you guys later. Bye-bye.